0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. All the hard work, let's go! College Football Today.
1: Uh, The stage is set for a huge slate of top 25 action, along with a bevy of under-the-radar games later today. Welcome to College Football Today, brought to you by BetDSI. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, and Gabe Marenzi going to be here for the next three hours. Guys, we saw uh, some great action last night. Colorado getting the victory over UCLA. But today, we'll know who the best team possibly in the Big Ten is a little bit later, around 7
2: o'clock tonight, Rich. Well, it's the game uh, of the year in the Big Ten up to this point, maybe the entire season, depending upon what happens. Ohio State, Penn State, whiteout, two top offenses in the country, number one and number two. Lots of points, lots of excitement. I think if you're a fan of any kind of football, if you're not a college football fan, if you're an NFL guy or gal, you got to tune into this game. I mean, this will be a great spectacle in Happy Valley.
1: Yeah, and the Big Ten possibly, Gabe, could be the strongest conference heading into the college football playoff later in the year. We see teams like Ohio State, Penn State, and your Michigan Wolverines starting to peak
3: from a betting aspect. I mean, how do you break down this game? Well, you're right, Joe. We've got three, four teams that are in a national championship mix uh, right now in uh, the Big Ten, and I you know, I just want to state you opened up the show by saying we're going to find out who the best team in the Big Ten is uh, around uh, 7 o'clock. I guess that's just when the Michigan Wolverines and Northwestern game uh, wraps up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but all kidding aside, I can't ever recall a total being 69 points in a Big Ten football game. I know this is the first time the Big Ten teams are, are meeting, and they both have the collective number one and number two offenses in college football, but 69 points – well, this is like a, it's like a Big 12 total. This is like an old school, a uh, Baylor uh, total. A uh, you know, massive, massive football game here this evening. Listen, Saquon Barkley returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown last year. He's not playing. He's not there. Silence, Right? Was the 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 theme for this uh, football game. A massive game uh, tonight, Joe. Separation Saturday set to begin.
1: Yeah, it really is, guys. I mean, when you think about it, we have this matchup. We also have Notre Dame and Stanford taking place right around the same time at 730 tonight. And a classic Big 12 battle between Will Greer and West Virginia taking on Texas Tech with a big victory last week in Stillwater over Oklahoma State. So we'll get a good read about three conferences as as the afternoon
3: wears on. I got to tell you, we got to give credit. You know, if we're going to take shots at coaches, we also have to step up and say, you know what, coach, you're doing a great job. We all know, and uh, we know they like to execute people in the state of Texas. Well, Cliff Kingsbury, you know, he was, uh, he was in a hot seat, all right? He was on death row of coaching, uh, so to speak. Uh, but you look at the facts, four and one ATS last five games against teams uh, with winning records. Pretty impressive what the Red Raiders are doing. You know, West Virginia were a very heavily hyped team coming into this year. Another uh, very interesting uh, football game. Should be a track meet, similar to that Clemson-Syracuse game. Uh, revenge, vendetta. Uh, some very, very intriguing football games on the card today.
1: Rich, when you break down this game, Ohio State, Penn State, Ohio State's won four of the last five by 18.7 points per game, picked up this victory last year, 39-38. to 38. But last time in Happy Valley, they were twenty-point favorites and lost this yep. ball game due to a special teams play that really gave Penn State momentum. And from that point on, they never turned back and made it to the Rose Bowl that year. I mean, when you break this game down, a lot of pressure on Trace McSorley, no Saquon Barkley, and more importantly, I think Penn State has to attack that defensive front seven minus Nick Bosa in this matchup.
2: And I think this is one of those games where you you truly miss Nick Bosa. Wasn't the case last week against Tulane. He's going to be out for an extended period of time, likely into November. And at this point. I don't know for sure if he's going to come back. I mean, he's going to be a top five overall, maybe the top pick in the 2019 NFL draft. So does Nick Bosa, along with his family, do they even have him suit up for Ohio State? So he'll be missed. Now, Ohio State still has a lot of talent on the defensive line. But one of the things that stands out for me in breaking down this game, Joe, is two great quarterbacks. You have Dwayne Haskins for Ohio State, who has been spectacular as JT Barrett's heir. And Trace McSorley is a winner. He's gutsy. He makes plays outside of the pocket. Do you know how many rushing touchdowns this Penn State team has? 20. 20 touchdowns. They, They have more rushing touchdowns than Navy at this point, and neither of these defenses have looked great. In the month of September, both are vulnerable,
1: especially against the run. Yeah, Penn State averaging 274 rushing yards per game. They got it going two weeks ago with a, a dynamic effort against Kent State, 297 rushing yards on the ground. They followed that up last week in Champaign with 387 rushing yards. And I think that's the matchup as you watch this game play out. Here's an interesting statistic, guys. Since 2016, under James Franklin... Penn State is 16-0 at home and have won those 16 games by 25.6 points per game. I like Penn State here. I think they get a seven-point victory. It's not going to be easy. I think it's lower scoring. But, game. I'm all in with uh, Penn State,
3: not only with the points, but on the money line here. You know, throughout the week, I was trying to talk myself into taking Penn State here. I'm very, very concerned about their defense. My biggest bet on this game uh, will be points, points, and more points. I'm going to be betting the over of this contest I, I, You know, I want to take Penn State here, too, Joe. And in the same way, I want to take the Miami Dolphins against the Patriots. But maybe it's because I'm a Bills fan and I don't like the Pats. And maybe because I'm a Michigan fan and I don't like OSU. I think that, um, I, you know, you look at Haskins and I, he's better than JT Barrett is. This, this kid's just amazing. And they're just so loaded you know, it's it's very. This is a tough spot uh, here for Penn State, considering how poor their defense is. You know, we look at McSorley's having a hard time completing his passes; while completing only about fifty three percent. They don't have Saquon Barkley right now, but all that being stated, all the gut gut instinct, I think Penn State can the play tonight, Joe. I'm feeling you.
1: Yeah, Rich. Wh- here's the matchup as well: Dwayne Haskins making his first true road start. He did play against TCU, that was in Arlington, a neutral field, but. I mean, he's completing 75% of his passes, over 1,100 yards, 16 touchdowns, one interception. He has to be mentioned with the Heisman with guys like Will Greer and now Kyler Murray. I think if Penn State could force them into third down and long situations, that would be the defensive recipe because when you look at Ohio State over the last couple weeks, 181 rushing yards against TCU, last week against Tulane, only 152 That could be the recipe for that Penn State defense in this matchup. Joe, I don't know
2: how that happens. I mean, uh, Penn State, right from the beginning against App State, struggled defensively. They've had a lot of turnover, eight new starters, 82nd nationally against the run. So I think Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins will get their yards against the Penn State defense. I don't know if Dwayne is going to be in a lot of third and long situations. And to Gabe's point, I think it's a track meet. I, I think both offenses get up and down the field in a hurry. This could be a last possession type of a game. And in that kind of a setting, my money goes on Trace McSorley. I'm with you guys. I'm assuming, Gabe, you're saying you like Penn State if you had to. Joe, I know, loves Penn State. I'm with Penn State tonight. I, I think Ohio State is vulnerable defensively. Both teams will score. But in a game that could come down to the final possession, Trace McSorley is an unstoppable force combined with Miles Sanders in the backfield. Jawan Johnson on the outside. I think this is the last possession game, and I think they go berserk in Happy Valley yeah, tonight. Yeah,
1: and you mentioned the home field atmosphere. We saw JT Barrett lead the fourth quarter comeback. That played a little bit of a factor in that comeback on the road last year for Penn State. Now they're home where they haven't lost since 2015. So I think this will be a confident group. I mean, Gabe, you think
3: Penn State wins the game outright, or are you taking them with the, just with the points here? <laughs> Well, you know, it was a one-point game last year. Is it really going to be that close once again? I think with this sort of shortish number, if you're taking Penn State at plus three and a half, you got to hope that they're going to be able to win this game outright. You know, no one gets rich betting against Urban Meyer. Let's just be real. It's turned into quite a rivalry. Uh, James Franklin's not the most popular coach here. I feel as if, though, just that... Um, Urban Meyer's got a little bit more firepower here. It's it's just it's tough. It's a real leap of faith to pull the trigger here with Penn State. I think the safest bet's the over in this game, guys. I don't want to force. I don't want to force it, but I think the safest side is the over here.
1: Yeah, I mean they got 70, 77 last year, so I mean it's a high total for Penn State and uh, Ohio State. We'll see how it, it, it plays yeah. out. I mean, it's an eight o'clock. It's ticket. a
2: fantastic it's a, game, though. Yeah. This is this is this is Exhibit A. This is a playoff. Why playoff. it is? Yeah. No. Listen, the team that loses not out of the playoff race. I've heard that discussed this week. I, I don't. I think one loss Ohio State or one loss Penn State not out.
1: No. I think you still have a shot, but certainly the margin of error is yeah, gone. Yeah, because you look at both teams. I mean, Ohio State plays Michigan. Ohio a lot of State opportunities. Ohio plays Michigan State. Penn State does play Wisconsin and Michigan as well. Yeah. So yep. a lot of opportunity for both of these teams, as long as they don't get blown out. I I think that's the one thing. Less than 10 points for either team there in the college football playoff mix at the end of the year. And we'll see how that game plays out at 8 o'clock. Tonight, let's turn our attention to Notre Dame-Stanford. Stanford's won four of the last five guys by 8.5 points per game. Picked up this victory last year in Palo Alto, 38-20. to 20. But this is a different Notre Dame team with Ian Book at the helm. He completed 25 of 34 passes, 325 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He's going up against the Stanford secondary that not only allowed – 346 passing yards to Justin Herbert, but is giving up 233 passing yards per game? To me, Rich, that's the difference. I like the speed of Notre Dame. I think they get a 10 to 13 point victory
2: later today. Yeah, I agree. One of my best bets of the day. I love Notre Dame in this spot, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Watched, like everybody, the Stanford game against Oregon. Kudos to the Cardinal. Uh, big victory, the comeback, one of the biggest in, in Cardinal history. But if you watch that game closely in the first three quarters, they got shoved around, yeah. which I haven't seen since the pre-Jim Harbaugh days. They got beaten at the line of scrimmage by an Oregon team that is very good on the offensive line. But that's a problem for me because Notre Dame is a physical team Solid offensive line, even after losing McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson. Solid defensive line, led by Jerry Tillery in that front seven. So I think Notre Dame wins at the line of scrimmage. And Stanford, by the way, one of the most curious stats so far this year. I know K.J. Costello, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside having a great year. Those big, big weapons at tight end. 119th nationally on the ground, which is absolutely stunning. Even if Bryce Love is not
1: healthy, Stanford can't run the ball, and that's a concern. Yeah, 104 rushing yards per game, Gabe, 71 against Oregon. They're going to be putting third down in long situations, and more importantly, I mean, the back-to-back road games, I mean, how does that f- figure into the Vegas aspect and
3: picking this matchup? I really do think it's playing into the number because I, I don't believe Notre Dame would be technically five-and-a-half points a better. Uh, You know, you have home field, you have the back-to-back. Now, you guys mentioned it. Shocking as well, and I remember talking about this after we watched, I remember when Stanford played San Diego State, and San Diego State completely suffocated Bryce Love. And we thought, well, maybe it was just the packages, and they confused them, and they stacked the box so much. Stanford's a weird football team this year, and I agree with everything you guys stated in that Stanford haven't really looked great in any of their games. That San Diego State game that they won, it wasn't a dominant performance. It was closer than the final score would have indicated. They really got lucky last week, you know, but you got to be good to be lucky, lucky to be good, right? And, you know, they they're very fortunate with the turnovers. I just have confidence in David Shaw. I mean, this is just a football team that just sort of finds a way to win football games, finds a way to cover football games. And I was all over Notre Dame last week, and not a lot, not a lot of people want to lay the points on the road I'm not a fan of Kelly switching quarterbacks like this all the time. And and now everybody's on the book bandwagon. And, yeah, he looked good. That, that's against Wake Forest. Now you're putting this kid in a massive game against the Stanford Cardinal team that just sort of eats massive games for breakfast on a weekly basis, it seems. They're, they're battle-tested, this Stanford team. I like Stanford's physicality. You mentioned Notre Dame speed. I'm going to take Stanford's uh, physicality. Not to mention, uh, Brian Kelly's really struggled. Uh, against uh, Stanford, he's one in six uh, against Stanford. Uh, Shaw, the um, uh, five and two against the spread in this rivalry. Stanford's gotten the better of Notre Dame over the years.
1: Here's the matchup that I look to play out in this ball game, Richie. The, if they can't run the football, if they only get, let's say, less than hundred yards or eighty-five yards, that's going to put them into long third-down situations. They're only converting thirty-six percent of their third-down opportunities. Yes, yeah. yeah, Stanford, the Cardinal, over the last couple of years, just to give you an idea. conversions on third down. So when you're put into third and 10, third and 12, you allow Notre Dame to utilize blitz packages and create pressure. And I'm starting to think now... You watch that matchup in Outson Stadium. They came out a little flat in the first quarter, and Oregon looked like the fresher team. Now the schedule could be catching up to Stanford, and now the back-to-back road games, yeah. are they a tired football team here?
2: I-, I think that's a good point. Back-to-back road games, long trip up to Oregon, long trip now to South Bend, and, and Notre Dame, I think, is a fresher team. Notre Dame is a more balanced team offensively. I don't want to go overboard, as Gabe said, with Ian Book. I don't want to go crazy, but that offense did look different. I mean, that did, and it's not a great Wake Forest defense. But now that you have the balance of the passing attack, you could take advantage of the big weapons like Chase Claypool on the outside that Notre Dame has. It's also going to open up things for the running game. Dexter Williams... I, who I think is the Irish's best running back. He's healthy and returning in this game. And again, if you want to watch this one closely, watch it at the line of scrimmage. Stanford has not been dominant on either side of the ball. That's going to be a problem. And listen, you, you could throw up a certain amount of jump balls, which they'll do with Colby Parkinson and Caden Smith and Arsega Whiteside, all big wide receivers. I think some of those balls are going to be tipped and turn into picks. Watch Julian Love on the in the defensive yeah, secondary. I think
1: this is going to be high scoring, too, because if you cannot run the football, you're going to have to pass it for Stanford. Costello, I mean, he's looked sharp, so I I, I would think Notre this Dame isn't is our father or grandfather 60? Stanford Cardinal yeah, anymore,
2: guys. 60, Even Harbaugh's Cardinal. cardinal. Yeah. This is Jim Plunkett's Stanford Cardinal, <laughs> so I think he's got to go this, back to It's <laughs> it. like West Coast. It's like Bill Walsh. This is Chad, Steve Chad Stenstrom. Hall.
1: Chad Hutchinson, I was <laughs> yeah. going to say that.
3: Todd Huzak was another one of my favorite yeah. Stanford quarterbacks. You think this goes over the number tonight? Yes, I do. I do. um, And Stanford, as we stated, we saw this evolution last year pretty much with, with the arrival of Costello. And I think you guys banged this as well. Their defense isn't quite as good as it's, it's been in past years. We see they give up those big plays right now. It forces them to throw the football, and it's been working for them. As you stated, I know, and I, I we opened up this game, the monologue, by talking about this. They really haven't looked great in any game. No. And as you stated, Costello sort of throws sort of like a basketball play. Let's just lob it into the big man in the paint, and it's been working for them. And I, I hear what you're saying, Rich. Notre Dame have the athletes and the speed. They can, they can sit on this, and they're going to notice this on, on tape as well, that Stanford are very repetitive offensively, but Stanford are just so well coached. They're so well coached. They don't make mistakes, and we can talk about them being lucky. I don't know. You create turnovers, you create turnovers. You know if They find ways to win football games. I think the number's too high. I think the game is like a pick 'em. It's a toss-up, and as we stated, Stanford's always gotten the better. Shaw's always gotten the best of Kelly. I think the game's a pick 'em. In my mind, and I'm getting five and a half points. I got to take the dog here, guys. Yeah, we're
1: just getting started. When we come back, we'll be joined by Jamie Heath giving us his best plays for the day. Keep it where it is. Joe Ritz Rich Cermonello and Gabe Marenzi live from Studio 34.
4: football
1: today brought to you by bet dsi just getting started we're gonna welcome in our special guest jamie hot as a pistol heath from the sports brokers jamie how are you today
4: I'm great. How are you guys doing today?
1: Uh, doing well. The marquee slate of top 25 action. I mean, Jamie, when you look at this slate today, I mean, great games. From a handicapping perspective, do you, do you hold a lot of weight from the previous week's performances when you break down these games?
4: Well, yes, I hold some weight. Uh, But obviously, you know, now we're getting into conference play. So like I was saying to you guys last week, it's a whole different ballgame when it comes to these matchups. You know, I give a lot of credibility to certain situations. But in in other aspects, like I said, when we're getting into conference play, Whole different aspect and a lot of and a lot of type of rivalries like we have in this Stanford Notre Dame game like you guys were touching up on a little while ago.
1: I mentioned you've been hot as a pistol and we want to get fans interested in your special package because we know you're just knocking them down each and every week. Where can fans uh, follow your information?
4: Absolutely, Joe. Uh, we're, we're, uh, we are hot as a, as, as a firecracker, so to speak. The number is 1-800-220-6262. Again, 1-800-220-6262. Visit our website, thesportsbrokers.com. Visit our website. Join our website. We turn outcomes into incomes, and we've been turning a lot of outcomes into incomes this year so far.
2: The outcome that interests me most tonight is going to be Ohio State-Penn State. It's going to be a lot of hours before that kicks off. I cannot wait to see that scene in Happy Valley. Jamie, can you break down uh, the Nittany Lions and the Buckeyes for us?
4: Absolutely, Rich. Uh, Should be a whiteout, I'm sure, at Happy Valley tonight. Excellent game. Uh, Can't wait myself. 8 o'clock Eastern start. Two possible Heisman candidates in McSorley and Haskins. Whoever wins this game is probably going to have the upper edge as far as Heisman's con- considered. As well as whoever wins this game is going to have full control of the Big Ten. Uh, McSorley, for one, he beat Ohio State two years ago. They were a real big underdog in that game. Last year, they were they were beating Ohio State big. Ohio State ended up coming back with the victory with a late charge. I, I honestly love the—I think this game is going to be a track meet. I see a lot of offense. The line opened up at four, Ohio State four, and the total anywhere is from 65. It's gone up to 70. Now it's climbing back down, 68 and a half. I see a lot of points scored here. This quarterback for Ohio State adds a different dimension. He's got a strong arm. I love their running backs in Dobbins and Weber. I, I uh, also obviously love McSorley in this matchup. I think he's got the experience. He's faced Ohio State, like I said, a couple times. He's And it is in Ohio State. The crowd's going to be just absolutely sick for this game. I give a, a, an edge to uh, Penn State in this game, especially grabbing three and a half at home. So I say take Penn State and go over. I really love the over in this game.
3: I'm on the same side as you on this here, Jamie. I've been talking about the over all week as well. You look, you look at these teams, Penn State haven't scored less than 45 points in a football game, guys. And I know I know that this is a different Ohio State uh, beast than, than they've been playing so far. But we see the Ohio State can light it up offensively as well. Will be a track meet. The points are intriguing. I wouldn't lay the points. To me, guys, it, it's Penn State plus the points, the over or pass on the side. I like the over better than the side. But that, I'm, I'm with Jamie here, Joe. Yeah, when you look at the other matchup, Jamie, I mean, you were talking about
1: Notre Dame and Stanford. I mean, a critical Pac-12 battle for the Cardinal. I mean, they, they need momentum as they head into conference play. But Notre Dame lost this matchup 38-20 to last year, now a new quarterback. How does that figure into the handicapping perspective after one game on the road in Wake Forest?
4: Well, I'll tell you Joe, uh, Stanford's been a, a really good team to us. Fortunately, uh, we talked about Stanford last week on the on your show. David Shaw is a mastermind coach. They were getting crushed by by Oregon last week. It looked like they were just pretty much left for dead. Somehow some way they you could you could say they got lucky. I don't know. I mean, I just I just think this team might be blessed. I love the fact that KJ Costello's maturing every each and every week. He's got Big receivers, I mean big like as in basketball size or volleyball size, big receivers like in 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 Whiteside, Smith, Parkinson, who seem like they just play volleyball with the ball. You, you got a quarterback today in Notre Dame who they're very, very high on. Like you said, they went into Wake Forest and absolutely drilled them last week, but this is a totally different animal. Stanford is proven tested. David Shaw is five and two against Notre Dame, like you guys were saying earlier. And I think Kelly, I want to say, is one and six against Stanford. Uh, if you have to go to coaching like you did last week, I, I took Shaw over Chris ball. I'm going to take Shaw over Kelly any day of the week. I like Stanford getting the five and a half here. And I think again, like I was saying about the Ohio State game, I think this is going to be a high scoring team, uh, high scoring game too, because Notre Dame is going to pretty much make Stanford throw the ball. They're going to pretty much put eight guys in the box, stop love, but that's going to open up for Whiteside, the tight end, Parkinson, and and Smith as well. And don't forget, Notre Dame, I know they got one of their key running backs playing, but their other running back, Armstrong, who has, I think, five TDs on the year, he's out today. That's a big loss for for Notre Dame today.
3: Once again, Jamie, I'm on board uh, with – with what, uh, what you're talking about here. Let's let's look at Notre Dame here. They played Michigan in week one. It was a great performance. Michigan really stumbled out of the gate in the first half of that football game, played better, specifically in the fourth quarter as the game went on. But now we're asked to win this game by six points with the Irish. An Irish team to beat Ball State by eight points, Jamie. An Irish team to beat Vanderbilt by five points. It's like, all right, yeah, you you blew out Wake Forest last week. Yes, so did Boston College the week before that.
4: (laughs) And they and they Uh, lost
3: to Purdue. So here we are at home. They haven't won a game by more than seven, and Michigan played god awful in the first half of that game. Eight point win, excuse me, eight point win against Ball State, five point win against Vandy. Now you're laying five and a half against the Stanford team that's better than all all of the aforementioned teams. All week, I, I thought the number was too high to me, and I just, I don't know if you, you were tuning in, Jamie, but I just said, to me, this game's like a pick'em, and I'm getting five and a half points, and I brought it up. David Shaw's five and two against the spread. Kelly's one and six against the spread against Stanford. Give me the Cardinal and that creepy uh, mascot, that Gumby-looking tree.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I kind of like that mascot myself. It's a weird one. It is weird. <laughs>
4: Seems like every game I go over, Gabe, you seem to agree, so I think we're on a lot of the same page. You should be worried, Jamie. You should be very worried.
2: (laughs) Jamie, uh, uh, Midwest, uh, we got Trace McSorley against Dwayne Haskins. Southwest, it's Will Greer versus Alan Bowman, the new gunslinger for Cliff Kingsbury. I love this game from an offensive perspective. Uh, What do you got for West Virginia and Texas Tech?
4: Uh, I don't know, boys. Rich, I'll tell you. First off, before I go into this game, let me give you out the number again. I, we love, love, love college football games starting at 12 o'clock. We have a, a major game at 12 o'clock that we absolutely love. I want all your listeners out there to call this number 1 800 220 6262. Excuse me. 1 eight hundred two two zero six two six two. 220 6262. Visit my website, thesportsbrokers.com. Visit our website. Join our website. We turn outcomes into incomes. Now getting to this big matchup here at Lubbock, Texas. Once again, I see a track meet. A lot of people are saying this is going to be a defensive game because West Virginia has played great defense. Well, who's West Virginia actually played this year? They played, they, st- they opened up the season against the Tennessee Volunteers. I don't know about you boys out there, but. Tennessee does not look like a very good offensive team. They look kind of offensively challenged as far as I'm concerned. Uh, They got demolished by Florida last week. They'll be lucky to score a touchdown today against Georgia, by the way. Uh, Then they played Youngstown State, who's a Division II school. And then last week, they played Bill Snyder's Kansas State uh, Wildcats, who look awful as well so far this year. Now they're going against Cliff Kingsbury's Texas Tech Red Raiders, who absolutely handed Oklahoma State's lunch last week. They beat them 41 to 17. They they completely dominated the second half. They got this Bowman who's a second whoever Kingsbury puts in at quarterback seems to be amazing. I mean, this guy's leading the I think he's second in the nation in passing in four games he's thrown for almost 1600 yards. It's it's just amazing. I see a track meet here again. you got Greer and his experienced receivers in Sills and uh, Sims and Jennings against, uh, again, Bowman's guys. Vasher, who looks to me like an NFL-ready receiver. He made a a Beckham-like catch a couple weeks ago, I think the first game against Mississippi. He's got another receiver on this team, Wesley, who's already got 30 receptions in four games. I look for a track meet here, and again— I'm taking the home team with the points. I'll, I'll take the three-and-a-half points here. Are you Are going to give me points with this team at home? Uh, West Virginia, to me, really hasn't been challenged. Today they're going to be challenged, but I really, really like the over. take over 72 and a half in this game.
1: Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you, Jamie. When you look at the total, I think it opened up around 74 and knocked it down to around 72, 72 and a half now uh, where we stand in terms of the total. I mean, when you look at the public perspective of these teams, I mean, they pass on each and every down. So when you handicap not only this game, but a game a little bit later today when you see, like, Oklahoma State play Kansas, how does that figure in? How do you break this game down in terms of a handicapping perspective in terms of a win total?
4: Well, okay, again, like you were saying just before, both teams are going to be pass-happy, I would, I would say. West Virginia's pretty much been controlling the clock in a lot of their games, and maybe that's one of the reasons why this this total's actually dropped. They've looked at their combined scores. Last week, West Virginia only won by, uh, I think the score was 35-6 to over Kansas State. But again, Kansas State is a whole different animal than Texas Tech. Texas Tech's going to be throwing pretty much every down. They're going to be going up and down the field, probably not even using much of the uh, the play clock. So I honestly think that it's going to play into into the over's hands. And I love the fact that the total dropped in this game. I'm, I'm really all I'm all over the over.
3: You know, this is this is a game between two programs. West Virginia is just sort of always there, and some people try to you know convince themselves that they're outside contenders. I heard a lot of hype about this West Virginia team. Meanwhile, let's be real. Kingsbury was on the hot seat coming into this year, and he was one of the most heavily mocked coaches uh, in college football. We got to give him credit right now, Jamie. I, I, Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm with you once again here. I don't want to get in front of Kingsbury. <laughs> this it's sort of like Kentucky. These teams that have been doormats for years, once they get going, people say, oh, it's going to be a letdown. No, it's not a letdown. You know, they, they like winning. and It's contagious. And, and, and it just continues. And I've always thought West Virginia and Holgerson were just a little bit overrated. I am a Will Greer fan. I get it. He's a good coach. But, you know, the, the Lubbock, they're going to be fired up today. It's been, it's been a little – it's been years. And also, they haven't beaten West Virginia guys since 2013 uh, as well. Um, Texas Tech's defense has been a little bit better, but they're still playing to the over every week for the most part. I mean, the, yeah. game, the games are going over the number. Texas Tech, 3-1 against the spread. I'd go Red Raiders and over as well. Yeah, when
1: you, yeah. See, when, when you see these conference games, I mean, it, it gives you a lot of opportunity to really not only handicap this week, guys, but, I mean, next week as well when you break it down. Uh, how does that play into your handicapping philosophy?
4: Uh, well, again, you know, like I said, the co- conference games a whole different animal. You, you're going to have a couple of major matchups coming next week and some certain conference games as well. Uh, handicapping as far as picking games and stuff like that, when you're talking about certain marquee matchups, I'm always looking at the home team, the crowd situation. Obviously, they play up to the crowd. They're they're usually a lot more fired up for their their conference games than they are for for regular game, non-conference games. Like the case of uh, Texas Tech today, this is their first uh, conference game. Actually, it's their second conference game. They won a monstrous conference game on the road. And like you said... That that crowd in Lubbock today should be fired up for this game. And I, and I agree with you, Gabe. I think West Virginia is, is slightly overrated. I've never – I mean, I think Colgerson's a good coach. I wouldn't say he's a great coach. And honestly, anytime he's actually had a, a major game, if you notice, he's more on the losing side than he is on the winning side. I'm going to take Cliff Kingsbury in this matchup.
3: And this is an incredible stat uh, in this football yeah. game. And I always talk about perception and reality, guys. If I would ask you guys – Who's the number one team among Power Five conferences in time of possession? <laughs> Texas Tech! Idiot. How is that possible? You're thinking about a Red Rage shootout and, guys, 36 minutes of football game. I would have said Army.
2: I would have said one of, the, one of the academies uh, as yeah, well. But yeah, but it's
3: the ball control, dink and dunk, yeah. quick. Clock still ticks, right? You're not always getting first downs when you're not. they're not always throwing the ball uh, 10 yards down the field. But it's, it's amazing. Yeah, the Red Raiders ranked number one among Power 5 uh, conferences, fifth overall nationally in time of possession, 36 minutes uh, per game. Uh, the Red Raiders have not finished higher than 48th nationally in time of possession since this stat was created in 2005 and started to be tracked. Uh, pr- it's a different team. It is. I know the numbers don't completely show with the Red Raiders defensively, Joe, in the stats, but you see, you know, they shaved off about 100 yards a game last year, and it's almost like an Arena League team. You don't have to stop the other team every time. A couple of stops. If you're putting up 52 points, give us a couple of stops, and we can win football games.
1: Well, I can just Go ahead,
3: Jamie. I
4: was—I I, was—I honestly think that today's game's going to pretty much mirror the game that they had against Houston two weeks ago, where I think the score was—I don't know—in the hundreds. Yeah. I think they put it in the—I I, honestly—it really think was. The, yeah. Well, I think that the, this game today, I think, is going to obviously mirror that game. I—I—I I, I know that they've—they can—they control the ball through their dink and dunk passing and this and that. But I'm telling you what, I just for some reason, I think Kingsbury is going to pretty much start throwing the ball to his his big receiver in Vasher and Wesley. I honestly, I I see a lot. I think the winning team in this game is going to be scoring in the the mid to high 50s, honestly.
2: Jamie, let me ask you a question outside of the the specificity of the matchups. Now that we're getting into end of September, we're starting to see a lot of injuries mount, a lot of attrition. To what degree do you peel the onion on injuries and try to evaluate how that will impact your pick on a week-to-week basis?
4: Well... You know, it's, it's a, that's a great question. And we talked about a game, I think, a couple weeks ago. I, I mean, the, the quarterback for uh, San Diego State, Chapman, was out. And we mentioned, you know, the fact that Arizona State came off that big win. Sure enough, San Diego State ended up beating him. We were talking about that game. But, you know, something – key injuries to obviously the skill positions. You know, obviously quarterback is the most important position in college and pro. And if a quarterback is to go down – I weigh very heavily in certain situations. In the case of San Diego State, I didn't weigh it so heavily because they're a run team, but now they just lost their running back as well. He has a broken collarbone, I want to say, too, so they're in big trouble. But uh, as far as handicapping, absolutely, Rich. When a a quarterback or a running back, a a big running back, say Bryce Love, was to go down for Stanford, all of a sudden that changes every aspect as far as my handicapping, and obviously I'm going to put a lot of uh, credence into it. And I'm sure the odds makers are going to adjust the lines and I have to go there, you know, go from there to figure out who to take in these particular spots.
1: Well, let's keep it right there, Jamie. We see another game in Clemson and Syracuse where Trevor Lawrence does get the start and now will become the starting quarterback the rest of the year after Kelly Bryant has transferred from Clemson. How does that play in? Uh, obviously, Lawrence has played throughout the year. He's thrown for nine touchdowns, but now he's the go-to guy. The bullseye's on his back. How do you play into that in terms of when you break these games down?
4: Uh, yeah, Joe, that's a good question. Absolutely. He's another one that's getting thrown into the fire Uh Evidently, uh, Dabo Sweeney's very, very high on this kid to, to, p- to put him in, to, to make him the uh, starter and pretty much claim that he's the starter for the rest of the year, have Bryant uh, transfer out of that school. So obviously, they're very high on him. They're playing a Syracuse team that I said beginning of the season was going to be very improved. They, they pretty much shut down Florida State a couple weeks ago. That's another game I think there's going to be a ton of scoring in as long as Dungie can stay healthy because you're going against one of the best defensive lines in football. He starts running the football and he's hes a, he don't slide, he don't take a slide. He's going to try to run through these guys. He better not do that today or he's in serious trouble. But I see another high scoring game in that game as well, Joe.
1: Jamie, always great insight and information. Go to the sportsbrokers.com and check Jamie out. Call him on his number. We're coming right back with Clemson and Syracuse. Thanks, guys. Back on college football today brought to you by Bet DSI. If you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports but are sick of dealing with professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, try the Props Builder tool at mybookie.ag. Forget having to create multiple lineups. Ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches and avoid experts winning 90 90- percent of the money invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can receive a 50% deposit bonus. No more dealing with late lineup scratches, no experts to compete against, just you and the prop that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag, that's mybookie.ag. Enter promo code FNTSY upon sign up and choose your matchups using the props builder tool. That's mybookie.ag promo code FNTSY. Always a pleasure talking about mybookie and 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 the reads and watching Gabe
2: crawl <laughs> on all fours.
1: <laughs>
2: Huge matchup, guys! Uh, a little That'll bit will be later. on the outtakes of the show. Right? Well, if yeah, you remember that, that well
3: we have last week or the week before I just walked right through the shot, right so was, Jim Kelly jersey so
1: and I caught it out of the uh, the corner of my eye there. but great ACC battle between Clemson and Syracuse. You look at this ball game last year, Kelly Bryan got hurt in the first half. They could never respond in the second half for Clemson. They lost that matchup 27 to twenty four and how fitting guys, I mean this is the day and the week that Trevor Lawrence is named the starter. Kelly Bryant decided to transfer. I don't know, but I like Clemson later today to dominate this matchup.
2: Yeah, certainly a possibility. I think it's the right choice at quarterback. I know Kelly Bryant is upset, and he's hurt, and he decided to transfer, leaving some depth issues for Clemson at quarterback. But this is the right choice. If you want to win a national championship this year, Trevor Lawrence is your guy. He's the best quarterback at Clemson. We can see what he does to that passing game and the way he takes advantage of those young receivers like T. Higgins. He is a different kind of player as a true freshman. But I think this is too many points for for Syracuse. I really do. Syracuse obviously played Clemson tough last year, won that game in the Carrier Dome. Now they go on the road. It'll be very difficult. But Syracuse is playing well both offensively and defensively. Jamie talked about how they dominated a bad Florida State team. But Alton Robinson on defense getting a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks. As long as Eric Dungy is healthy, I think Syracuse can get a cover even if they lose this game by 17 to 20 yeah, points.
1: Great point, Rich. I mean, here's the one thing, Gabe, that I look at over the last two years under Dabo Sweeney and the one game against Georgia Tech this year, which was a conference game, since 2016 now, Clemson is 17-2 and two against ACC competition and won those 17 games by 19.5 points per game. Oh, by the way, the line opened up at 19, and they bet it up to 24, 24.5 24 in this ballgame.
3: I think people are betting this game on past Syracuse football teams. And let's be real, they've already matched their season win total already this year for the past couple of years. Oftentimes when Dino Babers came in here, oftentimes you bring in a new coach and the coach goes four and eight in his first two years. There's a lot of people scratching their heads and wondering if they hired the right coach. That wasn't the case in western New York uh, with Dino Babers. Anybody that was paying attention could see this was a program that was incrementally getting better. The recruiting, the talent, they were very undersized defensively as well. Uh, They're 3-0-1 against the spread guys, and they matched up very well physically. They shut down a speedy FSU. might not be FSU anymore, but they're still fast kids, right? Uh, Syracuse, just athletically, were sort of overmatched in past years. It's a revenge spot. Now, the last time that Syracuse went into Death Valley, they lost, what was it, 54-0. That's 26.5-point favorites. This is a different different Syracuse team. I think they can trade some points. You guys talk about the situation. If I'm Brian, I think it's kind of a bad look. I I understand his feelings being hurt. Lawrence could get hurt. Uh, I look at Le'Veon Bell not letting his teammates down because it's a business. But I think Brian should have stayed the year and then moved on after the fact, as opposed to just uh, you know the way the way this goes down. But you got to believe that Clemson's going to get into the mid forties, high forties. What can Syracuse give us? Can they get into the mid twenties? I think they can. I think the over's the way to go. It's coming down a little bit. It's about sixty four and a half, but. You know, I, I'm a I'm a risky guy, guys, and you know, I'm going against logic here. I'm taking Syracuse to hang around, and and trade points a little bit here with Clemson. I think Clemson will pull away eventually, win by 22, 23, 21, etc. Getting 25 and a half, man, 26 points, nearly four full touchdowns. I got to take the underdog here and the over.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I was wrong on Clemson last week. I thought they would struggle with Georgia Tech. But, Rich, this is a Clemson offense that's averaging 274 passing yards per game. They're going to look to attack a Syracuse defense, giving up 255 passing yards to opposing offenses and quarterbacks. They struggle with Wozniak and, and Western Michigan week number two. Here's the recipe as well. When you look at Syracuse overall, you think just offense. This is an offense averaging around 278 per game, rushing for around 234 yards on the ground. But that defense, four games, 13 total sacks, and more importantly, holding opposing quarterbacks and offenses to only 19% on third down conversions.
2: Yeah, I, I, I really like Gabe's point, so I'll echo them, which is... This is a different Syracuse team. Not suggesting they're going to win back-to-back games against Clemson. Not that kind of a team. But Dino really has them playing with a lot of confidence, a lot of speed, a lot of pop. And I'm glad you brought up defense because defensively they're making strides as well. They were a sieve last year, not so much this year. Now, they haven't played a team, obviously, the caliber of Clemson. UConn last week, you know, I discount. Florida State is down. But again, another point that Gabe brought up was, you still have a Cam Akers. You still have a DeAndre Francois. Uh, you have some big, fast, wide receivers at Florida State, and Syracuse simply dominated. So as long as Eric Dungy is healthy, which is always risky, especially against that defensive front of Clemson, as long as he's healthy, then they can trade blows with Clemson enough. I think if they get into
3: the 20s, they do cover this game. Well, so exactly it's right. a lot of points You're for, for a Syracuse points. team. So let's say Syracuse, uh, let's say, uh, Syracuse gives up. 44 points. Can we get to 21? Yeah, I think that's certainly possible. Yeah, 44-21. Like, Clemson can convincingly win this game. Lawrence can have a nice game, Joe, and throw four touchdown passes, and the Q's can still cover the number here. Yep.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I don't like this game per se as one of my best bets. I would lean Clemson here just because, again, they're at home in Death Valley. That defense—it was fifty-four
3: nothing last yeah. time they went up but, there, but it's but, different. But it
1: was different because Dungey Dungy's playing very well. He's rushed for a, he leads the team at rushing three hundred and fifty-four yards. You know what on this game ground.
3: reminds me of, and I don't like comparing NFL and 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 college, but it's football and right. it's situational spots. It's the Miami Dolphins. You're Miami Dolphins and the Patriots. Hey, I was undefeated. Afraid. I was you're going, you are going. Yeah, yeah. you're going on the road. You're taking on the beast of the conference, yeah. so to speak. And hey, if we're for real, if the Dolphins are for real, they go in there and they don't maybe win the game, but they hang around. If you know, if Syracuse just gets blasted, I could see them. Then the downward spiral begins. We see this every year, guys. College football teams are five and zero. Oh. You don't pay attention. You go on vacation. You come back. You're like, oh my god, they finished the season six and six. Right? I mean, people pad their records early. But I think Syracuse are the real deal. I think Syracuse are a seven-win football team. There's going to be some losses coming along the way here. Yeah. But I think they can do enough. As Rich stated, we don't need much. You're getting 24 and a half, 25 points Give us, can you give us twenty? Can you score twenty-four? Are Clemson putting up fifty-five today? I don't think so. You
1: never know. I mean, that's the one scary thing with Trevor Lawrence. They might go and attack that secondary on each and every down. I like the better defense here, obviously. In my opinion, it is Clemson giving up only one hundred forty-eight passing yards per game and thirty-one percent on third-down conversions. Again, Eric Dungy is going to have to move the chains, and this is a Syracuse offense, guys. That's averaging. Forty percent on third down conversions per game. So as long as they can do that against the Clemson defense, they'll be in this ball game and, get and have the opportunity to score points. We'll see how it plays out.
3: You no, know it's amazing, Joe, The Syracuse have not trailed once for one yeah. minute yet this year. Is that yeah. right? That's going to change today. That,
1: well, <laughs> how do they know. react to, never, to that too? Yeah. yeah you're right. Know. I mean if they get the ball first and first drive, they put some points up, get a get a feel Oh, taking an, an underdog—that's
3: what you need, man. You get that first you drive, to, suddenly you're up thirty-one, right? Yeah, and you have to put the pressure.
1: On the new quarterback to match them, score for score. If you're Eric Dungey, the kid's unflappable, though he is special. Yes, we'll see how that game plays out a little bit later today. Let's turn our attention to another Big Twelve battle. It's Texas on the road in Manhattan to face Bill Snyder and Kansas State. They got blown out last week in Morgantown. And from a series perspective, Texas has won three of the last five guys by ten points per game. They picked up this win last year in Austin. to wasn't easy. Game went to overtime. They got this six-point win, and more importantly, the cover has five-and-a-half-point favorites. I like Sam Ellinger. I like the speed of Texas here. I think they dominate this ballgame by anywhere from 17 to 20 points. I couldn't agree with
2: you more. Uh, Kansas State, I mean, it's a program traditionally I have liked. Not this year. This is a different team. And, you know, when you look historically at coaches that are on the downward side of their career, you think about – Maybe Bobby Bowden at the end of his career at Florida State. The teams just aren't the same. I think Bill Snyder's in that position right now. This is a different Kansas State team. They used to win the line of scrimmage and be able to run the ball. Not running the ball this year. Not protecting the quarterback. Not getting any kind of pressure. Not getting the turnovers that they used to. Not as good on special teams. This is a very different can. Now, I'm not all in on Texas. I think people will go overboard. I think there's still work to do. They're not the class of the Big 12. But those back-to-back wins... Over USC and TCU, very impressive. I think they go into Kansas State where they have struggled and they get some revenge on the Wildcats. And,
1: Gabe, here's what I look at when I break this game down. From a defensive perspective, Texas really impressed me against a speed team in TCU. Sam Ellinger last year, guys, 30 of 50, Three hundred and eighty yards, two touchdowns, one interception against that K State defense in that forty to thirty-four win. And when you mention Kansas State not running the football, they're only averaging 156 rushing yards per game. Last couple of years prior to that, they were 196, 231, and more importantly, giving up 178 rushing yards per game. To me, that's a difference. But I also
3: like the over here. I think this over can come in later today, Gabe. I'm a little concerned about the over because Are I yeah? wonder if Kansas State can score. And you know what? They're averaging they're averaging eight points a game yeah. against uh, power five schools this year. It's it's that bad right now. This is now. a better defense than they've seen yeah. and, at and least since Mississippi State. Six of the last seven games in this rivalry have gone under the number. Mm. Uh, Texas are capable playing to the over, and you're right about Ellinger. I like to see to settle on a quarterback and move on here. And that's you know Tom Herman's starting to get this thing going. Maybe they're a year or two away from being you know playoff contenders. You know, programs going in opposite directions, and I agree with everything that Rich stated about Bill Snyder. It was a hell of a run, but we're seeing you just can't recruit there. The talent gaps are just too different. The, the game has changed and the spread offense. You can sort of, you know, special teams and we'll run the ball and, you know, we'll will ourselves to victory here, guys. It's just not happening anymore. Quite frankly, I think he would have retired a couple of years ago if they just would have accepted that his son was allowed to take over and they said, we love you, but your son can't take over the program. I think this is probably the swan song. I don't think he's going to want to go out like this, guys, but this looks like an ugly season. This looks like a three and nine type of season, if that, Joe and Rich. Like, yeah. I think this is it for Bill Snyder right now. Texas, I don't love it either. You don't want to be, you know, you don't get rich Lang points like this on the road, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was sort of an ugly 34 10, 34 13, 27 10. I'm leaning with the under and, and the horns here. Well, here's where I like the over. K-State defense given up
1: to opposing offenses and quarterbacks. If you can maintain drives, you're going to score some points. The only concern of why this isn't a best bet of mine, Texas has the Red River rivalry next week against Oklahoma. Is there a possible look-ahead? That's the only reason why, because I think this is a beat-up Kansas uh, State football team overall, and I think Texas
3: can be peaking. That's that's why they've done well. Remember a couple of years ago, four or five years ago, um yukon used to surprise people at home it's dreary it's just drab no one's like oh we're going up there to stores to play yukon people get there it's always rainy and like dark it's like oh god and you know you see the players are always cold and just sort of looking bored and angry you sort of like i remember the montreal expos they used to get like three four thousand people a game and the opposing team said it would screw them up they said we're used to crowd noise Mm. When it's all quiet, it's it gets in your head, and it's just different than what we do. And I've always found teams going to Manhattan sort of get caught sleeping. No one can name a player on K-State. You know, kids in the conference probably don't even know they're in the conference. Like, I, what in what, Manhattan? What's this, right? Like, you're going in the middle of nowhere. It's hard to get as excited. as you mentioned, if you're Texas, you've had all these sexy, high-profile games. Without a doubt, Herman's going to have to do a job and tell these kids no letting up today because we're in Manhattan. That's a great point. Yeah, I'm taking the over though. I am. It's a good point. You both
2: brought up really good points, which is this is an oddly placed game because it's it's USC, it's TCU. And now it's Kansas State with Oklahoma on the deck. That that would be my biggest concern, but I'm going to lean with the 27-10, 30-10. I don't yeah. think Kansas State has enough
3: offense to get this game into the over. They're playing so... They, and Texas will be comfortable just getting the win, run yeah. the ball, let's get yeah. out of here. If Herman knows... These guys can't score 21 on I me. Mean, let's just get 21, 24 points, punish them, run the football, and get the hell out of here and get ready for the Sooners.
2: 121st yeah. nationally in sacks allowed at this point. So even though they don't throw it a lot, they're still giving up a lot of pressure in the backfield. And Texas is starting to pin back their ears with players like Charles Amenahou. Caden Stearns, we talk about true freshmen like Trevor Lawrence. Defensively, Caden Stearns, a safety, might be the best rookie in the country this year. And
1: Trey Watson's starting to impress me. He came on in the second half, only rushed for about 56 yards in the second half. Former Cal running back. back. Yeah, Yeah. but he's starting. He's that between-the-tackles runner that we thought Warren would be last year in that offensive scheme. He's starting to move the chains. As long as they can do that, I think Texas dominates this matchup. Turn our attention to an SEC West-class uh, SEC SEC West Class between LSU and Ole Miss LSU's won three of the last five by twelve points per game. They picked up this win last year on the road in Oxford, forty to twenty four. They're honoring Billy Cannon tonight, guys, with a statue at halftime. I think the Bayou Bengals roll in this matchup. I think they win this ball game by twenty one points or more.
2: I, I disagree. I wouldn't call it a best bet. I would take the points. To me, this is a rivalry game. We we had Louisiana Tech last week because I, I don't think LSU is a dominant team. They just keep winning, which is fantastic. And and a lot of credit to Ed Orgeron, Joe Burrow doing a good job in a leadership role. But I think Ole Miss has enough offensively to kind of stay in this game, hang around with LSU. I would take what I saw was 12 it's down to ten. Now. It's down to ten. Yeah, people. A lot, lot of people
3: throughout the week on this. Yeah. A lot of people putting That's money on Ole 9 Miss. And a half last night. It's I think it, it could be, be a competitive game. I look at Mississippi guys. Say. They played well this year, and so they got they got tattooed by Alabama. Who doesn't? Right, yeah. They responded. They bounced back. They took look care what of they business. Did. How about the Texas Tech win? How does how good does that look Great in week point. one? In week yeah. one, and yeah. you know what? They won that game convincingly, 47-27. They, yeah. That was the last time Texas Tech lost a football game. I hit that. I was on uh, Mississippi in the Would over. You
1: have take the over in this matchup because I mean LSU only giving up ninety-one rushing yards per game. So Ole Miss isn't going to look to run the ball. They're going to look to attack that LSU secondary. Feels so. a
3: little high at sixty. If I you know if I'm betting a total and it's at sixty, Joe, I want flashy West Coast Pack twelve. You know what I mean? I yeah. want. I want explosive. Is LSU explosive? As Rich Men, you guys mentioned, and Rich mentioned it. LSU's winning games; they're managing games. Burrow, I like Burrow. What he brings to the table, you can tell he's he's more efficient. He can move the sticks, but he's still not lighting it up. They're not going to go up and down the field. It's just can Mississippi defensively. How are they going to? You know, are they just going to get punished in the trenches, Joe, as the game goes on?
1: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, LSU is averaging 165 rushing yards per game. Ole Miss giving up 188 rushing yards to opposing offenses, and more importantly, 310 passing yards per game. So we'll see how that game plays out. Watch well, we that ticket,
3: Joe. Remember last week? Yeah, Remember with Louisiana Tech. Or we were talking a couple well, with, with Louisiana Tech. 21. The at yeah, 17. Squeezed around. Seems like LSU play around the number. They might win by fourteen. We'll get to that. We'll get to that next segment. Keep it where it is.